fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew and my good friend Everett. Here we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? Man, I'm good. I smell like booze. Yeah, that's not entirely unusual for uh, when we're recording, but you know, (laughs) there was a... A mishap, shall we say? Uh, you know, we talked about it, and I, and I think that 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 is the first spill we've had. I in, think you're right in in a hundred and now eighty four episodes. Uh, so so through a hundred and eighty three episodes, with many, as you know, as you at home know, with many many beverages drank, that's our first spill. I think. Yeah, that's pretty good. It, I mean, it was a good spill, I suppose. Yeah, but it's it, pretty good that we've only spilled, given this amount of space that we work on. Like we have a normal, a normal <laughs> desk with like all this like normal people desk shit on it, and then all this podcast stuff piled on it. I mean, <laughs> that we haven't spilled more is impressive. Yeah, yeah. You know, so somebody's going to be like, "No, no, episode fourteen, we heard it." <laughs> uh, no, I'm doing really well. Uh, I am. I am. Feeling healthy. I'm feeling well fed. I stink like booze, but other than that, I'm great. Andrew, how are you? Also good and well fed. I had uh, some toxic chicken wings for dinner tonight. Ooh. I was still eating them when you came over. So not only did I get to eat several before we recorded, I'm very much looking forward to finishing them mm. afterward. And just to clarify for the people at home, the the wings are toxic by way of their branding and yes. not not by way although no, not poisonous i do i do get their radioactive sauces in air quotes uh the toxic lava and the um what did i get the reaper were my choices tonight and they're spicy Spa- yeah yeah no they, they've got some good sauces uh i'm a fan i think we've actually eaten Toxic on or just after a show before? Certainly just before, because I know I've touched my eyeball with toxic sauce <laughs> while recording. Well, enough of that, because we do have a guest today. Uh, we are we are very, very, very glad to have joining us today, Nick Sita from Los Angeles. You may know him as Los Angeles Timer on Watch You Seek or Pacific Standard Time on Instagram, formerly Pacific Standard Time on YouTube, although... Um, the last time I've looked this up, that that is no longer a going concern. Nick Sita, welcome. Explain yourself. Wow, that's tough. I mean, <laughs> how much time do you have? But uh, first of all, thanks for thanks a lot for having me. Uh, yeah, like you said, my name is Nick Sita. I live in LA. I work in the entertainment industry, and like the two hosts of the show, I am uh, I spend entirely too much time thinking about wearing and buying watches so yeah that's pretty much it so i've known nick uh for several years by way primarily of watch you seek uh and had the opportunity by way of uh my friend west quack uh at notice had the opportunity to actually meet sit down had drinks in a purple uh like a purple lit hotel bar lobby to have drinks with nick they let you into a cool place like that? <laughs> they, they it, it was quite clubby. They, they, it, was it, it was clubby. Almost off-puttingly clubby. Yeah, they told yes. me I had to unbutton one of my shirt buttons if I was going to stay, which was fine. <laughs> I'm fine with that. I had the mustache, so uh, at the time, that seemed like an appropriate move. So we did it, and and they let us stay. But 
It was good. Nick Nick actually didn't have a shirt on, so he was fine. He no, fit, I fit rarely right wear shirts, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I like the the uh, you know barracuda jacket over no shirt look. It's like the drunken homeless Steve McQueen is what I do. <laughs> I like that look. I think you're on to something. <laughs> so uh, so. As discussed, Nick, uh, I've known you via the forums now for quite a while. I'm putting finger quotes up when I say that. I hope everybody at home realizes that. Uh, I've known you via... Wait, we're not best friends? Well, <laughs> well I think I think we are at this point. Um, but you've been in watches for, for quite a while. So why don't you just give us a, a background on you, um, how you got into this crazy, crazy fun hobby. And um, yeah, we'll start there. Yeah, well, uh, I come from a watch-wearing family. My grandfather, uh, my dad's dad, was a big watch guy. And you think like jet age stuff because that's the time he kind of became prosperous in. So sure. anything that matched like a you know large tail-finned Cadillac. So he wore an original Hamilton Electric. Uh, he was big into Rados, uh, the Dia Star, that crazy egg-shaped watch. He had like three or four of them. Um, he and he had, yeah. And he had a bunch of Mido's too, which I don't even understand how he had, cause they weren't really sold in the U S so, but he was a watch guy and, um, uh, my dad and mom were too. Dad, his daily wear was a Rolex, uh, Submariner, like pretty much every dad in the neighborhood, but, and he had a Piaget Polo as his dress watch, which Ooh. couldn't be more eighties, where the pattern of the bracelet went through the case and dial. I don't, you could, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very much of its time. Uh, he had like a grandfather tuna though, too. He had some, he had some cool watches. Um, and my mom alternated between a uh, Santos uh, as her kind of sports watch on bracelet and a tank as her sort of going out for the night watch. So I was surrounded by watches as a kid and. Uh, and good watches. He, yeah, uh, the first legit watch I owned, we were on vacation in Bermuda, and my dad bought me a Hoyer 1000 Quartz Diver, which is basically a sub ripoff on a Jubilee bracelet, about 38 millimeters, I think. Yeah, those are great and watches. I, That's actually I on was, my short list. I, I wanna, it's going to be a rebuy for me. I have a thing about I don't wear copies, but for that, I would make an exception. I just, it's... You know, it just means a lot to me. And I just remember being super proud, being out with my dad, and I had a watch that looked like his. Um, and like a lot of things for me, I got it. I was obsessive with watches and then got out of it and got back into it. Um, had an original Bond era, Brosnan era Seamaster at the time. I'm, I'm that old. Uh, sold it. Um, and then smartphones came out and kind of, you know, lost interest. And then about five or six years ago, I got back into it. And, uh, I think the first watch I bought getting back into it was a uh, combat sub. Oh yeah. Um, That's a great watch. Which is, you know, it's a fine watch. It's kind of totally inoffensive. I had it for about six months, figured out what I liked and what I didn't. And uh, yeah, now I've just spent entirely too much money on watches. I kind of reshuffle the collection every six months because I get bored easily. Um, and my current favorite, I've got to say, is what I'm wearing right now, which you guys might be able to see, but obviously the people out there won't. It's a, uh, Oris Big Crown Pro Pilot, uh, caliber 111, hand wound, 10 day PR. So, um, you know, it violates the 40 and 20 rules. Certainly, it's 44, 22. It's a, I mean, it's a big it's ass a big watch, watch, but, yeah. but uh, 
you know, I've got a relatively large flat wrist. I can pull it off, but I still bang it against doorknobs and such, but, you know, or door jams and such. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty great. And it's proven to be strangely accurate too. So, which it's not really known for. Yeah. Those 10 day, those 10 day movements are not known for their precision, their, their cost accuracy as it were. No, but I'm getting like plus two and a half out of it. So, you know, can't complain. Are you letting it run the full power reserve? Have you have you seen full full power yeah, reserve I mean, exhaustion? It, I, I have, and it'll do 13 days, which is pretty incredible. Wow. It will do three more days than stated. But by then it's, you know, there's no amplitude and it's, you know, not running very great. Yeah, You'll yeah. get a general read at the time when it's at the very bottom of the PR. You, you know, so, yeah. my one of my good friends, one of my good local friends here recently bought a Panerai, a Panerai eight day. And which is a beautiful watch. I, I actually think it's super cool. And if you knew this guy, you'd know it was like the perfect watch for him. Um, but he was concerned. He was buying it used and he was concerned about it being fake. He bought it on Chrono 24 and it was guaranteed legitimate. I bought this on Chrono 24 as well. Yeah. And I say, you know, you, you can have a fair amount of you can have a fair amount of confidence in Chrono 24. And he's like, yeah, but how will I know if it's real? And I was like, well, when you get it wind it all the way up and don't touch it and if eight days later it's still running you know what's real because there's no fake in the world that's got exactly. that movement and sure enough good point 10 days later it was still running so uh so, hooray it's real <laughs> yeah um <laughs> which only works in like authentication or authentication for long power reserve watches any any normal power reserve, you're gonna you're on your own. Yeah, find a new way to authenticate. <laughs> That's right. Take it to an expert. <laughs> and even then, who knows, right? Well, well. So we asked. So I met you as discussed uh, last weekend, and you had the audacity, Nick, to to tell me that we had said something on the show that you took umbrage with, uh, but specifically, um, I had. He has a whole book of it. That's things. That's like everyone else. I'm, I'm racking my brain and, and counting the bourbons I had before I said that. Okay. I had referenced on the show, and and I think further in our conversation that the forums, the forums, the watch forums, as it were, were dead, and and that that's a hard stop statement. I think in some ways it's true as I sit here today, but you took umbrage with that and said, "I did." Hey, look, I don't agree with you. So. We asked you to come on the show today. I asked you to come on the show because I thought your thoughts on this were really interesting. And I thought this would make a good show. So thank you for being here. At, oh, it's my pleasure. But that is what we're going to talk about today. Andrew, what do you what do you think? Well, I mean, what's your initial? So, Andrew, you're coming in this a little bit cold because you weren't part of the the W San Francisco purple bar light shirt open conversations. And you're saying this like I missed out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're leaving the best parts that they're not safe for podcasting. I, you know, I, um, I mean, my initial thoughts when, when you talked to me about this idea, my, my initial thought was kind of a, an agree and disagree. I, part of the reason this show exists is because of the forums Mm, for better for better or worse almost the inaccessibility of the forums if you ask a question on the forum you're gonna get hit with at least in you know in 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 my experience because i didn't ever post on the forums because i saw what people responded to 
questions that I had. Asked and answered. Bump. Why would you even ask this? <laughs> Fuck off. Like you just, there, there was, it was just vitriol. And I was like, well, this isn't very inviting. Here's a link to the search function. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but It's not inviting at all. I mean, but let's just, that's the resolve. Right, I'm gonna agree there. I spent three hours on there today, and it's not inviting. It's almost a barrier to entry. Is is just being able to tolerate the the forums, and then having the the boldness to ask a question, and full well knowing, I think, if you spend any time on the forum, that you're not gonna get the answer to said question. You're just gonna get beat up. Um, But then, with that said, there's a lot of really valuable information there. Like yeah. there's a ton of questions that are also reasonable that for some reason the forum people have decided that they're going to collectively think through and answer. Yeah. But it's it's this weird So so you got this weird open shirt purple club that you have to like <laughs> that I had too many buttons buttoned to get into. Well, well let's be clear here when I met Everett and then he realized who I was that sounds pretentious but you understand what i mean when when mm-hmm. he realized what my forum name was the reaction was oh you're the only guy on there that's not an asshole and i did <laughs> I, I was like i am i flattered am i vaguely kind of sideways insulted by that i don't know Be- am i missing um, like is he not understanding me <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that, thank, thank you andrew because i was like i'm sure i'm a pretty big asshole um but yeah uh it's a tough environment, right? I think there is no denying that. You have to have a certain amount. Your, your skin has to be a certain thickness. Uh, yeah, your skin has to be a certain thickness, and you've got to be wait, willing to wade through a lot of bullshit to get what you want out of it. Uh, you have to be willing to ask questions in a way that are going to get the answers you want, I think is another trick to it. Um because like a lot of cliquish environments, people can smell the noob and can kind of smell stupid and they just go after you. I mean, my first couple of posts on there, I was eviscerated and essentially just told to go home. Um, well, so so y- you and I, we, we spent some time talking about this more, more in depth between wind up and now. And, and we broke down some bullet points, Nick. Uh, you, you came up with some general ideas. We fleshed these out a little bit. I think what I'd like to do here is just kind of go through. I've highlighted some key points based on our conversations, and I think I'd just kind of like to go through these point by point, and we can we can talk about them. Uh, we can talk about them as we go. So the the first point. So so we're gonna now make the case for the forums. If I had a better radio voice, I would have said that. Like. The case for the forums. Maybe a little weaver. We get a little... The case for the forums. Uh, So the first point that you highlighted to me, and I thought, well, this is is the most obvious one. Yeah, duh. But I think there's some meat here. So real information versus hype. And, And I think that... I think that the the secondary part of this, the versus part of this is, is sort of in where we start this conversation because you, you mean something specific or you meant something specific when you said hype, which is the general nature of the blog, the, the, the watch blog, the non forum watch blog, perhaps like watch clicker, 
perhaps even like us, like 40 and 20. Uh, and I say that with no, you know, I'm not embarrassed to say that. There is a certain amount of um, softball nature to this type of, I, I hesitate to say journalism because certainly we're, media. Not, we're not journalists, but media. I think media is probably the better way to refer to it. Um, yeah, if, if I may. So when I got back into watches, um, I consumed the blogs and the media uh, quite a bit. I was on Worn and Wound every day. In fact, like I can track my first few purchases by reading their reviews and buying the watches. Hodinky as well. Um, and I kind of soon realized that I was just consuming marketing. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. We all do. Um, and the same with Instagram. It's, you know, you post a watch and it's just a lot of like fire emojis and, uh, you know, that's a beast. And there's kind of no critical thinking and talking about it. Um, and I think it depends on the kind of person you are. But for me, that didn't uh, answer the kind of need that I uh, had getting back into watches. I wanted to be more a objective about it and kind of drill a little deeper into the hobby. Um, and uh, I think I mentioned this to uh, Everett was, you know, I, I ran into a couple of publications and podcasts where they said, well, we only review watches we like. And not to fault the people saying that, but that's not a review. Once you state that, it's an endorsement. That's technically what that becomes. Even if you're saying something slightly negative about the watch, that's an endorsement. So that sort of drove me to the forums in a certain way. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still read the blogs. I, you know, the, the watch I was talking to you guys about that I bought today, I read an article on Fratello and 20 minutes later, I bought the watch. So I, f I still find value in that, quite a lot of value. Um, but yeah, going to the forums just kind of opened up a world to me uh, where, again, the barrier to entry is high and people can be rude. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. But if you, if you develop a callus for that, I have learned so much in the last five years of posting regularly on Watch You Seek that there's no way I would have come within you know 10% of learning that much if I was just consuming media as opposed to participating, which is what I'm doing on Watch You Seek. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so that's, that's a good point. Uh, you, you know, we've got this, this world that, that Andrew and I play in regularly, weekly at the very least, um, which is sort of, and, and I'm sure we, I have said, I review watches I like. Um, and, and frankly, I tend not to review watches I don't like. I've turned down reviews for watches that I look at and I'm like, gosh, this just is not, this isn't a good fit for me. Uh, and, and, and furthermore, when we, when I have reviews in for watches that I don't dig, it's just harder to get the review out because it's hard to do that thing. It's hard to write even a meh review. You know, if I get a watch and I'm like, this just isn't it. Um, it, it doesn't interest me for whatever reason. It's hard to do that. And so there's this, that's a limitation. It's not just for us. You know, you see that on Watch You Seek, you see that on Hodinkee, you see that at all levels of what we do. I've, I've found oh. it harder to, um, like, because I've reviewed a handful of watches that I, I wasn't a big fan of. Um, and I felt like I was, 
it forced me to find the things that I did like. Because I, I don't feel like, for me, it's unfair for me to write a critical review of a watch simply because it's not for me. And I've, I mean, in, in a couple of my reviews, I've written like, this just, this isn't my jam. This, I'm not a big fan of this. But these are all good things about it. Yeah. I don't have to like it. But I, yeah, I, I yeah. think that comes along with like, I, in a lot of review spaces, people come from a, a journalism background, right? And you've just, it, it's like any other skill that you learn at J school or you have a mentor kind of hammer into you where it's being objective, mm-hmm. right? And that's a lot of it is this is not for me, but I, I'm going to write a positive review because I can see the merits, right? And it's also when you write a ne- negative review, it's not trashing. <laughs> something right it's offering a perspective as to why you didn't like what you liked or didn't like rather and finding what you liked Mm -hmm. right because that's really important in a negative review is again not to just trash something but to find something that you liked or hopefully more than one thing and speak in detail to that as well um not only is that healthy but it also reinforces the idea that you're being objective right Mm -hmm. um and Again, I, you know, I wasn't seeing I- enough of that. So, well, and, uh, and, and you wanna... to your point, you, you there isn't. There is a ton, a ton of paid reviews, which aren't really reviews. I think you use the right the right terminology in calling it an endorsement. If I'm getting paid or compensated to write a review, there's some obligation that I feel to be positive about it and to endorse that product. And that's a, I mean, that's rampant in the industry. And I think it can even go more subtle than that because I don't want to, like, that's, those people are easy to condemn if we want to put it that way, right? And like, you're taking money to endorse something. But there's also, like, this industry is so incestuous. We know a lot of the same people. Like, I met, we mentioned the the folks at Laurier who, Mm -hmm. you know, I've had drinks with Lorenzo a couple of times. And uh, I know Wes and Cullen pretty well at Notice. And what happens when you're tasked with reviewing their watch, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, but those guys are my friends. And it's, again, that's where like this weird training comes in where you're like, it's a muscle that's exercise and you understand what you have to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, again, I think there's a dearth of that in the, in the space. So, um, and, and the other thing, if, if, I, if I may segue into it, uh, which I've found was, kind of follow-on reporting there's sort of none of it i mean there are some long-term reviews right but um a couple of things one thing i brought up to uh, everett was issues with the black bay gmt release where uh when that watch came out everybody was going gaga over it it's a it's a fantastic watch it's a beautiful watch but within weeks the reports of movement failures were rife um none of that was reported in you know, on the popular blogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we know the reason why, um, because you don't want to piss off the Hans Wilsdorf Foundation, um, <laughs> because you'll probably never get a review sample again. And then yeah. IWC will hear you did that, and you won't get review samples from them either. So, I, you know, I get it. Um, but that information was only available on the forums, and it wasn't an isolated incident. It were incident, pardon me. There were multiple users reporting... I bought this watch. It's now gone back two or three times. It's come back with the same issue. Um, and that would have been a great story. That would have been a great story, uh, at least as far as I'm concerned. Uh, important. For, 
important story. An important story, yes. Um, And even reaching out to Tudor for comment, you know they're not going to get back to you. But just saying, we reached out to Tudor, they have not replied to us, speaks volumes. You know, there's something being said there. Um, And we're seeing that similarly with the recent uh, Zenith Chronomaster Sport release. There's been a bunch of issues with that watch. A lot of them are going back as failures. Um, And you only find out about that on the forums. So the value there, you're about to drop $10,000 on a watch. Uh, You want that information. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you, you talked about the Hans Wildorf foundation and that's a, that's a a reasonable thing to talk about because they are, you know, you, we can talk bad about, about Rolex all we want. And, and, and Rolex is such a big brand with so much power that I think by and large, people don't feel bad about talking smack about Rolex, even, you know, even the publications, if, if you need to talk bad about someone, Rolex is a safe bet, but, but these feelings, these feelings run all the way down and perhaps even deeper at the micro brand level, right? Uh, I, I attended an event, this has been two years ago at, at this point, um, I attended an event with several micro brand owners and th- this was an event that included owners and bloggers. Um, I, I remember Adrian of Barkinjack was there because, uh, w- well, so, so, so what happened is these two owners, basically, owners of brands you know, these are these are players in the microbrand world, and they basically took the position that bloggers, YouTubers, etc., are not a value to them, to the owners, because the the bloggers are going to pick out the one thing they don't like. They're going to hammer on it. They're not going to talk to the owners about what happened or why that decision was made, and it's basically just no value added, right? You 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 send this out, it maybe gets to their thousand readers or listeners or whatever. And beyond that, uh, nobody reads or sees it. And w- worst case scenario, they pick out something that they didn't like and that spreads like wildfire. And and the reason I remember Adrian from Barkinjack being there is because he was like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? Like, <laughs> A, we don't work for you. And B, this is what we're doing. This is what we're supposed to be doing. This is the value added. So the, the sentiment runs all the way down to the very smallest brands. Um, and, and, and in some ways, it's even harder because, like you said, these are, you know, oftentimes small business owners. Um, sometimes dinner uh, is is dependent on them being successful. And you realize that in a very real way, you can affect that. So it's hard, I think, is the point. Being a, and I think- a brand unto itself, mm-hmm. 40 and 20 is a brand unto itself. It, that's a hard position to be in. You don't have that with the forums. Mm-hmm. No, okay, that that's a really good point, right? I mean, there, there are people on the forums, frequent posters who have this image of themselves as a brand, which is pretty damn silly as far as I'm concerned. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- th- that burden of kind of reputation protection and uh, protecting your brand, whatever the heck that may be, is not a thing as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I post there, you know, granted, there are sometimes I think I've gotten maybe a little too brutal, that it happens with me. I'm that kind of guy. Uh, I can be a bit blunt. But um, there's something freeing about that on the forums where, um, and don't get me wrong, if I am brutal and blunt, 90 seconds later, I'll get like a little notification that somebody has called me out, right? So um, 
it's it in a certain sense it's a self-regulating system which i appreciate there's a certain i mean certain there's a high level of chaos there um but yeah so you know like i mentioned you're, you're figuring out what uh kind of long-term issues there might be with a watch that you can't find out anywhere else mm -hmm. um and just follow on reviews after, you know, six months, which I don't think you follow, find anywhere else. And just circling back to the Hans Wilsdorf Foundation, I'm, I'm about to buy a tutor tomorrow. So I have nothing against them. Guys, if you're listening, <laughs> you know, please. I, it, I already own a Pelagos. I think it's the greatest watch ever. So don't yeah. don't at specific standard time. Don't add him. No, uh, they, they don't care about me. Who am I kidding? <laughs> but uh yeah, um, I think they make lovely watches. I just would like to see a bit more transparency, I guess. So the next and thing movements we, that don't break. Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> the, yeah that's right. <laughs> and sort of in that line, the next thing we talked about that is something you really only get by way of the forums. Sometimes you, you'll get the occasional article. In fact, just to toot our own horn today, one of our writers, uh, Evan, I.Cortman today, posted... You guys, if you haven't read this, you need to. He posted a fantastic article on WatchClicker about his journey rebuilding a vintage. It's a gold. It's a plated gold watch, I believe. Um, it, it, it. He bought this thing for like thirty-five bucks, and he rebuilt the movement. Well, I think technically he rebuilt three movements, uh, or 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 <laughs> scrapped three movements into one. Fantastic, but you, you do get this kind of information sometimes through the blogs like Watch Clicker, but oftentimes the thing missing from non-forum watch media is the technical aspect of how watches work. And we talked, Nick, you and I talked at length about how that information, how the depth of that information is just incomparable at the forum level. Mm -hmm. Um. You want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. I mean, part of my passion for that or interest in that side or aspect of the forums was when I got back in my earlier experiences in watches was more about, hey, this is cool looking. I, I mean, I knew it was an automatic, but I didn't really know much more than that. And well, this what time more do I, you need to know? <laughs> this time I wanted to do more of a technical deep dive, not to say I can strip down a movement, take it apart and put it back together. But, you know, I know roughly how a mechanical or automatic movement works now. I understand the difference between a balance spring and a mainspring, et cetera. And that sort of information is readily available on the forums. There are regular watchmakers. Uh, I should say there are watchmakers that regularly post there, regularly answer questions. Uh, I'll name uh, or name drop, call out a guy named Archer. He is, uh, I think, I believe a certified Omega. He's mostly an Omega guy, works out of Canada. And his depth of knowledge is, I mean, incredible. Uh, I, I'm routinely floored when someone posts a question um, about a technical aspect. Hey, I stripped down this movement. What is wrong with it? And uh, he'll post a couple of pictures and the guy will just say, well, you know, you're missing this piece, whatever. And it's just, it's the amount I have learned um, about how watches work, how they can be repaired, et cetera. Um, it doesn't put me in a position to want to do it, <laughs> not even sort of, but it puts me in a position where if something breaks, I'll understand what part of the watch is not functioning, I guess. I mean, it's like if, when I worked on, used to work on cars, my own cars quite a bit as a, as a younger man, 
I never had the knowledge to diagnose problems, right? I, I could do the basic work, but when something wasn't working, figuring out what wasn't working uh, was a challenge that I never quite rose to. And, uh, you know, I think one thing Watch You Seek offers is if you're in that position, something is not working, I've taken this movement apart, you take photos of it and post them, the odds of you getting a response are pretty good. And like actionable information that will help you mm-hmm. are pretty good. Um, now, granted, if you do that, I suggest you do it on an inexpensive watch and don't take your Seamaster professional ceramic apart. But yeah. <laughs> Is that from experience? Because that, that sounded, that was oddly specific. <laughs> I've been tempted. The, Look at that uh, display case back and you just want to yank it off. But yeah. The coaxial escapement looks great out of the movement, just so you guys know. Uh <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's a great point. And, and this is not, this is sort of watch adjacent, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think everybody at home probably groans. Anytime I mentioned that I'm a Lexus owner, I, I drive a vintage Lexus owner. Yeah, I drive a vintage Lexus. Uh, I recently bought a new Lexus after crashing my old Lexus. It's 2003. It's 2003. It's new. Uh, it, new to me. New, new to, to me. you. Uh, and, and when I bought it, I wanted to get like a full top of the line all the doodad stereo uh, installed. I wanted and to pimp his ride. I wanted. I pimped too. my ride. I wanted yeah. to pimp my ride, and I did. And I would not have been able to do that but for a forum. It, it was an internet forum, and you you know many cars you can just go buy a stereo and you you know it's plug and play Lexus because of how much engineering is in a Lexus. You can't do that, and it was a difficult. It was a difficult process to make that happen, and and I did make it happen, and I was able to order all the right parts. I talked about buying parts from Japan via a, a J- J- Japan Yahoo Auctions broker and yada, 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 but I did it. I was able to understand what part need, needed to go in. That's the kind of thing that you get from forums that you cannot get elsewhere. Oh, totally, and uh, again... Even as an armchair enthusiast, I don't see any but myself ever doing a movement rebuild, right? Not even on a $35 watch. I just, I don't see myself doing it. But just knowing, for me, I'm just one of those people that's just a nerd for knowledge. And just knowing that if I want to learn, there's probably a thread somewhere that will show me. That's fantastic. If you ever get the wild hair, the, the information is probably there. Exactly. Exactly. And, and little things even like uh, my sister, who's also a watch person, uh, she and I bought the first iteration of the Laurier Neptune and she wears hers every day. Um, and the crown fell off hers recently. You know, the oh. stem broke. Oh. And she called me up. She and she's not a technical watch. Like she didn't even know it had a screw down crown. Like, you know, I had to show her a bunch of things, which is fine. <laughs> but the crown came off. Uh, and I thought it just came unscrewed and I posted photos and didn't take long for me to get a response. So even little things like that, something I would do, which is pop the back off a Laurier Neptune, look at the NH movement, remove the stem. I found that in the watchmaking forum, whereas in the public forums, you'll get a lot of, you know, that's a stupid question. That doesn't really happen in the watchmaking forum. Yeah. People are a, b- a lot more forgiving and eager to help you out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that does seem to be the case. The more sort of technical the question is, 
the more friendly people seem to be about providing information. Well, because you've crossed that barrier to entry. You've demonstrated that, number one, I know enough about this watch to recognize that I shouldn't just change the battery because there isn't a battery. (laughs) I then was brave enough to take the case back off and say, good Lord, what have I gotten myself into? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Most definitely. You know, there are some famous tropes in the army, um, you, you know, the tales of telling the private to go to supply to get a box of grid squares or chem light uh, batteries. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we need you to go to supply and pick up chem light batteries. But it's this kind of thing, right? Where if you can demonstrate, I have a basic understanding. Um, but, but what of, so what of the person that says, Hey, I want to watch. I have $250 to spend. What do you recommend? we know the answers that that guy is going to get immediately. He's going to get some some answers that are helpful, maybe, or Probably at least starting to be helpful. But, but we know that there's going to be a set of answers he's going to get. So one, the search function. Try the search function. Two, buy what you like. Um yeah, you, you know, we'll buy what you like. Three, you haven't given us enough information, which is which is maybe true. Uh, but the way it's presented is probably not going to be uh, not going polite? to be as productive or as polite. What what does that guy do? So that guy really knows nothing about watches. I mean, frankly, when Andrew and I started this show, we were in some respects that guy, or or at least not that far removed from being that guy. Mm-hmm. And and you know that that is our experience coming in. And what is what, what do we do? What do we do for that guy? What do we say to that guy? Or how do we help that person understand this landscape of this? What, what I think we've developed as a valuable resource how how do we develop that resource for this guy okay i think part of it is you get what you give right so i think part of it is you you kind of have to be as articulate as possible now that's difficult when you don't know what you don't know as the scenario you're laying out right is i have this amount of money to spend i know watches are a thing uh the other thing you didn't mention is you're going to get vostok vostok will be the answer to everything um, which kind of drives me nuts when I, you know, I'm, I have four thousand dollars to spend, and somebody will recommend getting me getting an amphibia, which drives me a bit <laughs> drives me a bit batty. But I think the two keys there is you get what you give, so it pays to be just as articulate and throw as many parameters at your at, at your request as possible, even if you're not sure about some of them. Um, and I think you also have to be prepared to fail and get useless information. I mean, my first few posts on Watch You Seek were like, hey, and I did the horrible, like, what are these worth? Which is nothing will raise ire more than the what are these worth posts. <laughs> and they were horrible, redialed uh, uh, universal Genevs that probably were worth nothing and looked like they had dials were redone with a Sharpie. And I think I was rightfully eviscerated for them. Like, uh, Maybe people could have been kinder about it, but um, the manner in which I posted them, I wasn't aware of the context that this happens so often mm-hmm. uh, that people, you're just, you just get sick of it. And I, I get sick of it. Um, and, you know, you'll have some people, like there was a long thread the other day where a fellow was saying, hey, what is a, a good Rolex alternative, a Submariner alternative? 
Now, he didn't put any parameters in, so we all assumed he had Rolex Submariner money to spend. So everybody was suggesting Blanc Pond 50 Fathoms. You know, you know what the usual suspects would be. Um, uh, Glazuta Original CQ. And then it took like 75 posts for the guy to say, oh, I only have, and I shouldn't say only, because again, you develop a callus to spending money on stupid things. I have $1,700 to spend, but it took him 60 posts to say that. Which was maybe in a time lapse of like eight minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. But then people were actually able to help him. And a lot of the recommendations were for Amanta Ocean King, which Mm -hmm. seems like a really good recommendation in that sub $2,000 price range. So I think... Again, it's a you get what you give. Like, if that's your request, I have $500 to spend. I really am not 100% sure what I want, but there's so much media out there. Go on Instagram, look at things, find things you like and find, you know, are attractive. It's easy to find the price of things. And if you're shocked by the price, say, I want something that looks like X, but I only have Y to spend. Help me. (laughs) You know, it's the classic help me help Mm -hmm. you. I love participating in those threads. I really do. And I'm one of the people that gets burned when half the posters completely ignore the person's parameters. Happens all the time. People just like hearing themselves uh, talk or seeing themselves type. And they'll recommend the same thing over and over again. Um, But if you, the more specific you can be, the more eager there are going to be, there are people like me who will be eager to help you. Um, And, you know, again, Everett's saying you're the only guy on there that's not an asshole. I will challenge that. There are a few of us that are eager to help and help us help you by being specific or as specific as you can be. Mm-hmm. Say, you know, and also be, don't be afraid to admit what you don't know, I guess, is part of it. Humility goes a long way, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and for my, for my part, I think, um, there's two things that should be happening. I think that one, the poster should be by way of his question and by way of the answers he receives, becoming more informed about how to answer the or how to ask the question. Right. So to the extent that he hasn't asked a, a valuable question in that he hasn't provided enough information to answer it, or he's maybe not thought through the question, uh, he or she, I should say, the answer should be uh, pushing him towards that. I also think that the forums, quote unquote, the forums, you know, the problem with the forums is it's not a person or an organization or um, th- there's no sort of regulating body. I mean, certainly the the folks who, who hate Watch You Seek or, or any other forum, you know, insert forum here will say the regulating body is the problem. Um, I, I, I tend to think that that's not a real thing. Uh, but in any event, to the extent it is, um, there, there is a community there, right? And, and the community has the ability to self-regulate and to sort of discourage the bad, the bad responses and to encourage the good responses. And, and I think that that does happen. I think that that does happen some. I'm not sure it happens enough. Um, and so as uh, you, you know, I see this happen in different ways. Some communities are just naturally better at encouraging positive responses. Let, let's let's transition here. Let's talk about a, some of the 
the prominent cons of the forums. We, we've, we've mentioned some of these in passing, but I think I'd like to, if we can, just talk about some of these a little bit more directly. So the, the first one that comes to mind for me, and <laughs> Nick, I know you and I have talked about this a couple of times, and so we're going to keep this vague. We're going to keep this as general as possible. Uh, I, I kind of have an idea of where you're going, but... But I'll, 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 I'll call this category the toxic personality or perhaps the toxic cult of personality that become prominent in the watch forums. There are a number of threads or people, as you kind of referred to earlier, who sort of envision themselves as a brand and in some ways have a brand by way of the forums. Yeah. Um, Sometimes that's literal. They do have a brand. Yeah. <laughs> so there's this toxic personality that can become pervasive in the forums. And and I know for me, that is a, a point of discouragement, right? When I, when I engage with the forums and I see, you know, he, here's your updates and it's the same handful of personalities. That's discouraging to me. Um, while I don't want to discourage people coming to the forums, I think you have to have a certain, like I've mentioned this, I, I don't want to sound repetitive, but you have to have a thick enough skin, uh, to not be put off by that. Um, I think this is part of just a larger trend and I don't want to get into, you know, how society operates, but every comment section on everything is, has a certain level of toxicity I'll even go so far as to say an off-putting level of toxicity. Have you ever watched um, comments on an otter video? There's no toxicity there. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, and, and the Dodo, that yeah. YouTube channel, which is all I adopted this abandoned pet. All right. And every there. single video is just heartwarming and wonderful. <laughs> but you're yes, right. I mean, that's, I'm not that's, crying. You're crying. That's every It, comment, it speaks right? to society at large. That, that very schoolyard bully everyone's out to get me. So I'm going to get them first kind of mentality exists on every platform everywhere, everywhere. So it's no surprise that that exists on watch you seek now combine that or on forums in general. But again, mm -hmm. I can only really specific, uh, specific, uh, refer to watch you seek because that's where I spend an inordinate amount of time. Um, you know, it's also that, uh, it's like Archie luxury. You, you play a character enough and you become that guy. I think everybody listening to you is familiar with who that guy is. Um, you become that, that behavior becomes ingrained and you sort of feel responsible to lash out in a specific way. And we, we see that a lot. Um, we also see just the same responses over and over from certain posters. You know, there are certain posters, you know, uh, and I won't, call them out because that would be impolite i would uh, who you know if somebody posts a watch they're going to say oh that looks like a lady's watch it's too small on you and that's it's the same two people pretty much every time um <laughs> uh, you know one thing i would say again is do you just, know i'm just taking notes here do you know what watch they were talking about because i think i'd like to look at <laughs> um no, I'm not you know maybe it was uh, the traska commuter i'm not <laughs> sure um uh, I have these dainty wrists. It's appropriate for me. You, you see that all the time. Um, so again, I think you have to prepare yourself for that and learn to deal with it. Um, 
And also, I think, uh, you know, this might be leaping ahead, but there is an ignore feature on Watch You Seek. And I'll be honest, my ignore list is dozens of people long. Um, and it's not unusual that I will look at a thread that's like 50, 60, 200 comments, and I'll just see the gaps and I'll know who's commenting because people will be lashing out at them <laughs> and saying, how are you being this cruel? I knew it was you. And it's, I can tell who that person is. I'm not reading their comment because I put them on, on ignore. So if you're the per, if you're the kind of person, I'm that kind of person who's eagerly, uh, I'm baited kind of easily um, and will end up typing something I regret. Uh, I found the ignore feature to be invaluable. Um, you know, I think also since it's a text-based word platform, it takes a certain kind of person. A lot of people aren't comfortable expressing themselves that way. And I work with words for a living, so I relish that. Like if somebody comes at me, I love crafting a cutting retort. It's just something <laughs> I really enjoy. You're, you know? you're a lawyer, so, right? Uh, <laughs> my mom wished that, but no. Uh, Everett has I, sent I, I, us I, like excerpts of like this is the thought that I'm preparing, and and he's, <laughs> like this is this is gonna get him like where to for Everett. <laughs> so so I will do that, and I'll 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 craft some cutting remark, and then I'll I, I admit I mean it's ego and it's embarrassing. I'll go back and look at it a couple of times, count the likes on it, and be like, eh, I got that guy. So, um. <laughs> You know, part it's of not it, a fucking it, it ladies' take, watch. <laughs> <laughs> it takes that sort of personality, I think, to really thrive there. There is a Thunderdome quality to it. I mean, it, there's there's sort of no way to get around that. Um, and you know, everybody out there listening, I hope this doesn't come across as the barrier to entry is so high you don't even want to bother. Please come there because. I want to prove Everett wrong that it's a dead format. And beyond, like, even if it is a dead format, I don't think it should be for the reasons I think I'm trying to lay out here. Yeah. Well, so let's let's maybe let's maybe bring this in. We've got a whole uh, we've got a whole list. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read these off. These are the cons that that I think I I, I was gonna sort of say we came up with together, but I think I actually sort of identified many of these because because you you've rejected most of my arguments at some point. Uh, <laughs> We've talked about With the cutting remarks, I hope. Right. <laughs> We've talked about the traditional gatekeepers a lot, right? That's a thing. It's a real thing. We know it exists. Advice is sort of uh you, you'll be fine. Just just push through that. We've got the toxic personalities. We've got the cults of personalities. We've got the victim blamers. The the folks oh, who who will blame individuals coming on for you, you know their questions or their gripes like you probably done this wrong. We've, we've got the cheerleaders. These are folks that will be so enamored by a brand that the criticisms will be be hard for them to reach. Uh, and, and then we've got what I'm going to call data management gatekeepers. These are the use the search function, um, you, you know. Asked and answered. Asked and answered, buy what you like. Uh, it, it, it's it's 2022, folks. Gigabits, gigabits are cheap. They're cheap. Um, and, and, you know, there's a few other groups, but but all, all, all in all, I, I think what we're trying to do here is to identify these things and notwithstanding that, defend the forums as a pretty neat, a pretty neat thing. You, you said earlier, 
you, you know, when you were a younger man, so I assume like 10 years ago, um, that you were you flatter me. a car a car enthusiast and that you, you spent time working on your cars. And I imagine you in a Los Angeles garage somewhere with those decorative rocks in the lawn and the garage door open <laughs> and a Chilton's exactly. manual open on the, I have a stack of children's. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and you know, that was, that was the answer, right? It, mm-hmm. It's go, go to the library or go to Walmart perhaps or Kmart maybe, uh, and, and pick up a Chilton's and that will have the information you need to change this combo intake exhaust manifold on your 1977 Toyota Corolla. Did it, did it, and did until it. Until it doesn't. But that yeah. falls far short of what we had. This relatively new, I mean, relatively new as far as humankind goes, this new thing that we have, the value is so obvious um and and we are very quick to pick things up and put them down in 2022 uh because that is the way of life but forum is such a huge concept the the discussion forum so we're here to defend that and and i think we can notwithstanding these gripes that we've come up with I think it's easier to defend when more people get engaged. When the when when the the power of those few cults of personalities are diluted by more people who are more engaged, whether it be because of how much knowledge they have or how much knowledge they're hungry for. I think that's how things like the forums improve is is by bringing more people to the table. Yes, and I think they also just offer one thing we did not talk about uh, just quickly is the options they offer. If you have niche interests, and I remember mentioning this to Everett, there, you know, there's a risk check thread for Eterna alone that's six, seven hundred posts long. So there's that. Like if you have a weird interest in minute repeaters or a brand that (laughs) that maybe is not. You know, you're, you'd be hard pressed to find them on Instagram. There will be fans uh, in the sub forum on Watch You Seek or another forum. So that's that's a great thing as well. There's a place for you, which uh, you know can't always be said in that kind of click oriented world where every other watch posted on social media is something everyone knows. And something I think we didn't talk about, but I just want to highlight it really quickly is that all the social media. And even outlets like us are driven by algorithms and search functionality and keyword hits and SEO shit. The forums are not. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, that's like some wholesome it, information right there. In some respects, they are just simply by way of readership. But the information is cataloged, notwithstanding those algorithms right in a certain in a certain dimension social media instagram is the one that jumps immediately to mind it does not catalog information in a meaningful way not so for the forums the forums are by way of their very nature intended to preserve information in the long term and sometimes you'll go to an old thread and the photos the imger 
imager links will be dead or whatever. And that can be frustrating, but the, the root information is oftentimes still there and still useful enough that you can find, well, this person posted this and this person probably still has this information. You, you know, the, the resources are, are near infinite mm -hmm. and yeah, not driven and, by uh, marketing know. dollars. Yes. I mean, that's not to say there's an outlet for everything. I mean, you know, if you go to the Tracer subforum or the Linda Verdlin subforum, you're really not going to get very much information, but um, <laughs> that's probably just because there aren't a lot of people out there with those watches. And, and, I, and I'm going to actually take umbrage one more thing uh, you said, Andrew, because notwithstanding the fact that theoretically we should be driven by algorithms, we not too long ago published an episode titled Hook, Huygens, and the Hairspring, which if you, which will if, did not like if you know anything about seo <laughs> you know that that episode was not intended to monopolize uh search engine optimization so well no we captured everybody who googled <laughs> huygens that week that what they came I, i've to said us. this to you guys before those are my favorite episodes <laughs> of yours and the responses i've gotten from you whether it's you know insta message or wherever well, that's interesting because they are our least popular. <laughs> yeah, no one likes them but us. <laughs> I love those. Yeah, the, your history of the Swiss watch industry, I love. The Sapphire Crystals one, I really love. So, oh, stop. Yeah. stop. I loved the Sapphire episode. That was like one of the coolest learning experiences of my life. You, you know, for me, it was Quartz. Uh, I, li I like the Quartz episode. Our episode on Quartz watches. So we do, I think, in our own way, we sort of try to replicate that experience here, notwithstanding the demands of... of click daddy and, and SEO and the SEO lords who, who are above us. But we still <laughs> is click daddy will click daddy as well. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, <laughs> we still, we still do. We are constrained by that. Right. And if we release an episode and it's a flop, uh, the odds that someone will find that, um, after the fact is, is pretty low. They're basically going to have to have discovered us in some other way and be like, man, I was going through your catalog and you were talking about this Huygens guy. Uh, that was super interesting, you know, but that's not, it. that's not the same for the forums that the catalog nature of a forum is valuable in it. And I think that we could, I think we can agree that that's something to be cherished. Oh, yeah. uh, definitely. And it, it, it's, it takes, I guess a certain kind of person to deep dive into it, but if you just want specific information, as long as your query is is framed uh, in a way to elicit that information, I feel that you will get it for the most part. What's the one piece of advice you have for someone who, I mean, we, we hope to be a, a podcast of uh, for people who are getting into the hobby, who are learning about it. What are you going to tell somebody who's diving into the hobby doesn't know shit about shit. They don't know what they don't know, and they're not ready to to put on armor to take the gauntlet of the forums. Where's the value I, I for that person? I think it's a two part process. I think there's so much information out there right now uh, that there's no excuse coming to the forums with a question. Let's say, I mean, viewing as a as a lurker, right? You can lurk all you want. And so I would say lurk a lot, spend a lot of time lurking, um, learn, understand what you don't know, uh, consume the watch media that I was critical of at the beginning of the of, of this podcast, read Hodinkee, read Fratello, read 
spend time on Instagram, on YouTube, so that when you do come to watch you seek with a question, you can frame it intelligently. And then the follow on comments, you can ask questions about those comments. That's how you're going to get the most out of it. So yeah, there's a certain level of effort involved. Like I'm not going to lie about that. If you want to really get something out of it, lurk, read, watch videos, develop at least a concept of what you like, even if you haven't bought a watch yet. Um, and then come to the forums uh, with carefully phrase questions and throw in as many parameters as possible to narrow that search because the world of watches is gigantic. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll even put it out there. Like if you're on the forums and you have a specific question, like look for me, I'd be happy to help you if the question is phrased intelligently. It's a dialogue, not ask Jeeves. That's what I gleaned from that. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to turn that on its head a little bit. The, the same advice but two people who are actively on the forums with more knowledge, which is just like Andrew said just now, it's a dialogue. Don't be afraid to engage with that noob. You're here. You're in the affordables forum or wherever you're at. Um, there's a certain expectation that everybody's coming at this uh, at a different level of knowledge and expertise. And just e either, either close the thread and go to the next one or engage with that person in a productive, friendly, happy uh, way that that shows, A, this is fun. We're here because it's fun. And, and B, I'm here for you and for and for me, but but also for you. Let's let's do this. What are you trying to do again? What's your question? Okay. Well, why do you ask that? Okay. What are you looking for in a way that's productive, not intimidating, not uh, you know, holier than thou, not dismissive. Don't dismiss. You, you can dismiss internally without ever clicking, touching your keyboard, right? You, you can dismiss that person without touching your keyboard. And if that's your intention, that's probably the better way to do it. Oh, I could not agree more. I mean, there are whole threads where I'll see the subject line and just be like, I don't have the heart to click on this. Thread. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Instantly. No, instantly. No. Uh, well, well, that's, that's great. Uh, Andrew forums, anything you want to add? I might, I might stop just lurking. That's a, it's a might. Yeah. Please participate Get I mean, in with there. your knowledge, with your knowledge, it would, it, it would be an asset. You would bring something positive to the forums. Take your and pants off. Just, just <laughs> settle in. some questions. No, no one will know what state of dress you're in when you post. Oh, I insist you... on posting a selfie with every post so that you know, so you can see my demeanor. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> demeanor. Uh, I, would, I was going to say, no one will know your level of intoxication, but we've seen plenty of those threads where people are like, how many drinks have you had tonight? Uh, you can hear the slurring in the, in the, in the post. Keyboards so, yeah. are hard. Yeah. <laughs> Nick, anything you want to add about the forums? I mean, I think I've said it all. I just want to, uh, you know, the idea that they're dead, I won't even debate that point, but let's try to make them not dead, uh, the opposite of dead. Um, I think it's a, it's a resource, especially if you're about to spend money on a watch, you owe it to yourself to, look, I'll just say the, the, the search function on Watch You Seek is not very good. Um, but try use Google to search watch you seek threads. That's what I do. That's the better. When I'm, uh, Pro tip right there. I'm looking Just for watch you, you seek. You type in watchyouseek.com and then type in your, your comma. Search. 
Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So that's the best way to search watch you seek. And you owe it to yourself if you're about to drop a significant amount of money. And when I say significant amount of money, I mean what's significant to you. If you're about to drop a mo- an amount of money that's significant to you on a watch, go on there, learn about the watch. Uh, you know, in the most basic sense, is it cool or is it not? And then in the most specific sense, is there a problem with the watch um, that you should be aware of before you drop your hard-earned money on it? Make use of the resource. Andrew, other things, what you got? I recently made a uh, another well-thought-out purchase. Did you use the forums? Uh I don't know if there's forums for this. There's, There are. You've got sure. me intrigued. Uh, <clears throat> so we've been looking for a rowing machine uh-huh. for some time. And my wife has this thing. I you, you guys notice I'm more sniffly than usual. And you, Everett, and actually even you, Nick, can see that there's hives on my neck and my eyes are very red. Um, my wife... I thought you were just chiefing before my, the my, show. My wife I've buys things. I just assumed you were puffy. Yeah, like, no. <laughs> She she buys things on Facebook Marketplace, but then sends me to go pick it up because <laughs> and I'm I'm this is real. It's dangerous. <laughs> so, okay, so send me to do that. <laughs> uh so we we um I don't know where I was going with that. It doesn't matter. I'm all puffy because the people we bought this thing from had cats, and I have a very severe allergic reaction to cats, and they had a lot of them. Uh, so I'm puffy and hypey. Um, <laughs> doesn't matter. So we've been looking for a rowing machine and I did the hunt, like just the started with the Google, like what's the best home use rowing machine? Like what are gyms using? And we settled on, I, I kind of wanted like the Peloton adjacent. It's like Stavior or something like that, but they're a 2,200 bucks with a recurring membership fee. I don't know. Yeah, you better do a hell of a lot of rowing, right? <laughs> exactly, right? And I don't know that I'd ever row enough to get the full value out of that, uh, but maybe for the coaches. So we settled on the Concept 2 rower. So right now it's the Rower GS is what we got, and Concept 2 does... Just cardio machines. They do a skier, which was a machine that I was wholly unaware of. It's like an upright uh, like cable machine, and you just pull it down in alternating directions. Uh, apparently, that's a thing. Uh, they do stationary bikes, bikes, and they do rowing machines. And for everything I could find is these are kind of the industry standard for like CrossFit gyms, which are places that get a lot of use on their rower. Mm-hmm. Everything I could find is like, if you maintain this, you're going to get 40 million miles out of it. That's so it's like bulletproof. Yeah. It's quiet. It's it's not high tech at all, but the, uh, the, the, the display has Bluetooth capability. And there is a bucket load of apps that can integrate directly into your display. You can run off your phone, you can run off your iPad, and creates that same value you're going to get out of these any of these subscription programs. Sure. Bluetooth right into it. So every time I row, I like I use one of the integrated apps that's free. 
and then I complete the workout and it sends me my email and is tracking my miles that way. And I'm going to get a million miles this year or a million meters, not a million miles. That's it's, a lot of miles. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm, I'm going to row. The commitment is big. I'm going to, I'm going to row a million, <laughs> a million meters this year and get a t-shirt. Yes. But yeah. So the concept is the t-shirt free or do you have to pay for it? Have the you? t-shirts free subsequent, uh, subsequent benchmarks or not benchmarks, uh, milestones you have to pay for. Okay. Okay, but you get them. You get your million meter T-shirt for free. Yeah, and they fact check it against your your username. Yeah, they're like, no, you didn't. Sorry, do that. I'm sorry, sir. You're at nine hundred ninety-seven thousand yeah. meters. <laughs> you don't get a ten million meter shirt. You've not even rode. Uh, but yeah, so it was, it was all said and done. We ended up buying it from Rogue Fitness, which is a reputable yeah. fitness brand. And if if you're if Rogue carries it, you can kind of trust the product. So it was about a thousand bucks, but. I was glad to have cried once about the purchase rather than bought like a shitty one or like driven five hours to get a used one and effectively spend the same amount of money. And so now you've used this, you've, you've had this thing for a couple of weeks and I know we've weeks. talked about it a little bit. Uh, the, the overall experience has been good. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's quiet. It's comfortable. It's the, the only thing I'd recommend is if you are going to buy one, do get a seat pad. Um, if, you're, if your hiney is not in shape, for just sitting on a hard plastic seat, get spend the extra $6 and get a seat cushion. I've actually installed my own seat cushion on my body by way of hard work. <laughs> hard work and pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I replaced the seat with yeah. just a metal post. So, I mean, it's fine for me, but for those of you normal people, Zing! Just, yeah, uh, just get, get the seat cushion. Because, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. like, it's the first time you ride a bike in a long time. You sit down and your, and your taint is just like, it's just on fire for like three or four days afterward. Yeah, yeah. Me as a big guy, but half Asian, I have the Asian ass, which has no meat on it. So I'm constantly needing some sort of memory foam insert. The, the donuts stuff. for for every chair. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Uh, well, so I've got an I've got another thing. Do me. It's not a rowing machine. It's not. It's not a rowing machine. My other thing is, have you ever soldered anything, Andrew? Yeah, I'm not good at it. Yeah, no. I'm not. I'm not good at it. I'm actually very bad at it. So I. Did you say soldered? Soldered. Yeah, uh, soldered. Yeah. Uh, soldered. Uh, perhaps. Uh, yeah, soldered. It. Soldered. Uh, yeah, I've given myself horrible burns with a soldering iron. That's my experience. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. So I was <laughs> at one point in my life uh, into electric things, and so I did solder at that point. I don't think I ever owned those soldering irons. Uh, a little bit later, as a young adult, I bought like a $100 Weller soldering station, and that disappeared in a move or something somewhere. So about three or four years ago, I went to Harbor Freight, and I bought a $35 soldering iron, and it was terrible. Uh, I was going to say fine, but actually it wasn't. It's not even one of those Harbor Freight specials that's good for 12 uses and then fa fails? It, uh, maybe, yes, okay. actually, perhaps. It was awful, right? It, it was never good. And it became progressively less good. So it was. It started it bad, and and got worse. Uh, so I had this thing for. I had this thing for a while. And, and the reason I bought that is because I don't need to solder things ever, ever. You know, once once a year, maybe twice a year. And at the time I bought this, I was looking, and and soldering irons are expensive, right? So traditional, traditional plug-in soldering stations start 
for a good one at about a hundred bucks. And it just felt like, I don't want to spend this money on this thing that I'm going to use this infrequently. And so I kind of stopped there, right? You, you look, there's like a couple that people recommend for a hundred and then, but people are like, but really you want the $240 one. Really? And you want like, just, this, you just want the soldering right. line and a blowtorch. Right? And it's like, no, no, I don't want that. So let's go to Harbor Freight. Um, bad experience wasn't good didn't like it so now i am gonna buy a soldering iron again i need to buy a soldering iron i actually had a thing i needed to solder and i know my soldering iron isn't good enough and so i'm looking at soldering irons what are you soldering i think you've said soldering iron in this podcast more than even in soldering iron podcasts yeah perhaps (laughs) perhaps so I start looking and I find that the landscape for soldering irons has completely changed in the last five years. Completely changed. And, and and in a good and in a good way. And in a good way. So what was a mere a matter of years ago, a very difficult market with very few affordable options on the table has completely changed. The recommendations now, there's two soldering irons that get really sort of hyped non-traditional soldering irons that get that get hyped by the maker crowd so one of those came out several years ago it's called the ts100 and and it's sibling the ts80 these are usb-c and sort of traditional alternating current powered soldering irons respectively and i can't remember which is which uh, but the it's a small form factor. It's a plug in the butt, either a barrel or a USB C cable, and they kind of revolutionized this hobby makerspace. More recently, in the last year and a half, I'd say there's a company called Pine Sixty Four who came out with a soldering iron called the Pine Cell, and this thing's been kind of hard to get until very recently, right when I needed to buy mine, which is just great luck, right? It never works that way. Um, I'm finding out about this thing right as it's becoming pretty widely available. This thing is fucking nuts. First of all, the $36 one, it it costs $36 with a tip. It can be powered by a standard barrel connector that you might find on an old laptop plug-in. That you certainly have in your house. That you certainly have, but also USB-C. So I've got like just a 65 watt power, you know, adapter that I can with its USB-C that I can plug into this thing. And it is, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's tiny. It's light. It powers up to like 330 degrees in six, seven seconds, something like this. 12 seconds. Okay. Yeah. I think faster. Sounds to me like they disrupted the soldering iron industry. Very, very actually that is what's happened here in, in a way that that doesn't normally happen when you hear someone utter those words. Uh, the crazier thing about this thing is it's got a microprocessor in it. The software is completely open source. It's flashable. And so not that I, that means nothing to me, by the way, I, I have no I use. I suddenly want to solder something. I don't know, I was saying, you're <laughs> saying these not, things not even... like I should know. <laughs> I, I have no use like, for wow. any of that stuff. But what I do know is it's fucking awesome. It's got an internal 128 kilobyte flash memory it's got it's got a 32 kilobyte sram system memory it's nuts why does it have that 
because yeah. because there are people imagine. there are people that can make use of this thing it's, it's what are they doing i who the fuck knows does it matter yeah it's that's, 35 I, bucks and it solders perfectly it's an industrial tool for 36 dollars. i'm curious what could be done and if you happen to know why you might need a 32k SRAM in your soldering iron, you know, you know why you need that at a microprocessor. If you need that, you know why you need that. And if not, it's just like, hey, look, my soldering, yeah. my soldering iron has a microprocessor. Fuck off. <laughs> my watch is a thousand meters of water resistance and a helium release <laughs> valve. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, there may be some of that, but I do is so. So for me, that doesn't matter. All I know is it's a $35 soldering iron that I can plug in with the same thing I plug my computer in. And it works perfectly. And it's great. If you need a soldering iron, check out a Pine 64 Pine Cell. What are you soldering? Uh, I had to fix one of our new old microphones that I took to the show that promptly broke. Oh, yeah. We talked about this. Yeah. Well, you know, I started the show with two microphones, ended the show with my one microphone. We now have two microphones. Again. And you didn't follow the age-old adage that two is one and one is none? I did not. Packed. Yeah. It, no. I did not. Uh, well... I did. I had two, and which and is one, which which meant yeah. I had one, and one was enough. Well, oh, that's that's interesting. I, I, yeah, I always thought of that. Well, I guess it's the same thing. Twice is always, once is never. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. That's right. Well, interesting. I, I had two, which was the bare minimum in this situation. <laughs> yeah. So, Nick, other things. What do you got? Sure, I'm gonna uh, recommend a piece of media, um, uh, TV series. And hopefully you guys have not recommended it in the past. It's an HBO series from, I don't know, at least 10 years ago, maybe more, called Rome. Uh, which, as the name implies, it's about the transition of, uh, well, not the name implies, it's about Rome. Oh, <laughs> but there's no this. implication. And uh, the focus is the transition from the Roman Empire to the Republic and the civil wars in Rome. Uh, John Milius, uh, Conan the Barbarian, uh, wrote the screenplay for Apocalypse Now. This was pretty much the last thing he did before he had like a massive stroke and uh, stopped really making creative content. And it was HBO's first attempt at doing big storytelling just before Game of Thrones. In fact, it was canceled to make way for Game of Thrones. Mm. Um, and they reused some of the sets as far as I know. Um, it's bloody, uh, violent, lots of sex. It kind of set that template for HBO that, uh, Game of Thrones followed. And in my mind, it has one of the best screen performances I have ever seen. Um, the man that plays Mark Antony, he's a British actor named James Purifoy, Purifoy. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his name is absolutely fantastic as Mark Antony he plays it huge. So if you don't like scenery chewing performances, maybe it's not for you, but uh, he chews every scene he's in. He's violent. He screws every woman he can get a hold of. He is depicted as the ultimate soldier. And the show sort of died on the vine at season two. Um, they compressed the final four seasons into one season and ratings shot up but by then it was too late. The show was already canceled, which is a real shame, uh, but it's worth watching. Uh, it's beautifully made, really over the top. It's anchored by one fantastic performance, 
it sort of died on the vine, unfortunately, after the second season to make Game of Thrones. But if you're a fan of that sort of storytelling, you'll see that it created a template for Game of Thrones and a lot of things HBO did uh, subsequently. And it's the last great work by a really well-known kind of man's man, macho director, creator guy, John Milius. It sounds awesome. You know, I think it's one of those shows that Kim and I have looked at in the past and just, you know, either didn't pick up or perhaps started and didn't. So I'll have to give it a second try. It's worth a second shot, I would say. Well, it, Nick, I, I just want to really sincerely thank you for joining us for for the episode, just to kind of talk about the forums. I think it's something we've talked about, you know, casually and uh, per, perhaps not fairly in the past. So it, it's nice to to give actual lip service to that to that real thing. Um, and I wanted to thank you for for being willing to come on and talk about it. Oh, this was a real pleasure for me. Honestly, it felt like just a conversation between three friends or people. So that's great. And I will assert, just kind of as a parting shot, there are a few non-assholes on uh, Watch You Seek, aside from myself, and they provide valuable information. Um, and me, honestly, even some of the assholes provide valuable information if you have a thick enough skin to kind of deal with their, let's say, quirks. As, so please come to the forums. As is the, as is the, the fact of all, all uh, walks of life. Most definitely. A- Andrew... <laughs> Andrew, is there anything you want to add before we go for the day? No, I'm all out of things. As you want to be uh, all out of things. And and I'm lost without you. Well, it's been fun. Go ahead and check out Nick if you want to. Los Angeles Timer on Watch You Seek or perhaps more appropriately, Pacific Standard Time on the Instagram. <laughs> and thanks for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast. You can check us out on our website, watchclicker.com. That's where we have weekly articles, reviews, including Evan's new article about rebuilding his $36 vintage gold watch. You really should log in and read that one because it's a fun read. You can also check us out on Instagram at 40 and 20 at watchclicker. If you want to support what we do here at watchclicker and 40 and 20, and we hope you do, you can do that at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. Look, guys, that's that's how we keep the keep the lights on, as they say. And don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye.